This week on the SSPX podcast, we'll be sharing the parish mission from St. Vincent de Paul's in Kansas City, as it was delivered in 2020. Today, on Holy Thursday, we'll be hearing from Father Michael Goldaddy on the topic of the carrying of the cross. If you would like to hear more parish missions, reflections, conferences, as well as our Crisis in the Church series and Questions with Father series, please visit sspxpodcast.com. Now, we'll turn to the Thursday evening conference from Father Goldaddy. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come, Holy Ghost, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who disinstruct the hearts of thy faithful, by the light of the Holy Ghost, grant that by the gift of the same Spirit, to be ever truly wise, and rejoice in his consolation, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of Sorrows, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear faithful, we've come to day four in our mission and I recommended at one point in an email that a good practice at home would be to follow up each conference with the rosary. Uh, these conferences should give ample meat for meditation during these days of Passion Tide. The fourth sorrowful mystery, our Lord carries his cross to Calvary. Our considerations of the Passion are drawing to the close, the high point of the Passion, which is Calvary, the crucifixion upon Calvary. And our Lord will make a triumphal march, we could say, to that place, that sacred place, that, that moment of final victory. This path to Calvary, we could consider as the 11th hour. And the 11th hour has a special meaning for us today. It's a kind of wonderful opportunity at the end, or a last minute success story, or a, a moment of relief right at the end when our hopes are revived, our confidence is restored, and ultimately victory is assured to us. The cross is the very center of history. And it's the only thing in which we as Christians ought to glory, says St. Paul. We have to glory in the cross because the cross is our salvation. The cross overshadowed the whole life of Christ. He came into the world for the cross and it must overshadow every life of the Christian should not try to escape the cross again our Lord if anyone wants to follow me let him take up his cross and follow me we come to the history again of the passion Pilate had three times declared our Lord as innocent and now he orders him to be crucified 
But our Lord, in response to this unjust judgment of, of Pilate, will accept the cross, will accept the verdict. He longed for this moment. I have a baptism wherewith I am to be baptized. And how am I straightened until it be accomplished? The Jews as well had waited for this moment. It's expedient that one man should die rather than the whole nation should perish. It was ordained by Roman law that the condemned should carry his own cross and our Lord would be no exception to that law. Our blessed Lord is once again clothed in his own garments. This is done that the people may recognize him. And the procession to the place of execution is begun. We can imagine this procession. There's an order to it, as with any procession, any liturgical procession. First go the soldiers. They break away in the narrow streets crowded with the noonday throngs of people. Then would come a herald. The herald would announce the crimes of the condemned. After him follow the thieves and the rest of the guards. And our blessed Lord is the central figure of this group. He is indeed a pitiful sight. Our Lord Jesus has been without food or drink since the Last Supper. His shoulders are so torn and wounded by the scourging that even the weight of his clothes is an agony. And certainly the rubbing of his clothes against the skin is a great agony. And he bears the full weight of the cross himself alone. And if this was not enough, Christ is goaded on by the soldiers, his executioners. He's mocked by the crowd and every movement is an opportunity for pain. His blood-stained footprints mark the way to Calvary. What must be the, the thoughts of our Lord as he looks at those that surround him, as he looks at the throng of people these were the very ones who, four days ago, strewed the ground, strewed the way with palms, crying out, Blessed is he that cometh, Hosanna. And now these very same ones will curse him, will seek his death. Maybe he sees one there in the crowd to whom he restored the gift of speech. Maybe another to whom he restored sight or health. And now that same one is calling out for his precious blood. Our Lord Jesus Christ is broken in body and heart. He looks toward Calvary and his strength is exhausted and he'll fall. Our blessed savior will fall. His sacred face will be buried in the dust of the street and under the, the rain of kicks and blows that come down upon him, he will struggle to regain 
his feet. The way of the cross commemorates three falls of our Lord, but these may represent more than that. Tradition, some traditions consider that there were seven falls of our Lord. Our Lord will fall and he'll get himself back up again. He desires Calvary. He desires to suffer for us. The enemies of Christ will become anxious. What would happen if he should die before he reaches Calvary? He's so weak. He's lost so much blood. And so the soldiers begin to look for a helper for our Lord to carry the cross. And when this happens, of course, the crowd will shy away. No Roman would carry the cross for sure. It was the vilest form of execution. No Jew would want to be associated with the cross, to touch the cross. For it's plainly written in the law, cursed is he that hangs upon the tree. And so no one wants to assist our Lord in carrying the cross. And then they spy a Hebrew from Serene. He is stopped and he is ordered to help with the cross. And he has no choice who's going to stand up against the Roman Empire. It's better to walk in disgrace in a strange city than to suffer a far worse fate for resisting. So Simon begrudgingly picks up the cross of Christ and both together head for Calvary. Simon will find while advancing that what he thought was a great disgrace in reality is a great grace. This great humiliation will turn into a great moment of grace, of conversion of heart for him. Christ and Simon buried the cross as beasts bear the yoke. And it's not long that Simon will realize that the yoke of Christ is sweet and his burden light. And here we have a great mystery. Christ could have had the angels bear the cross for him. He is the divine Lord. He could have relieved himself of this burden through miraculous powers. But he deliberately allows himself to carry the cross with such pain that he almost expires. And he wants someone else to help him. And when all bystanders refuse, he gives this grace to a stranger. When all those that are closest to whom he could have extended that opportunity, he gives it to one that's simply passing by. Why did Christ let a man help? Because he wants to teach us a lesson. What is the lesson? Christ shared his cross with a man and gave that man the grace to suffer gladly and the greater grace to save his soul, to show us the necessity of salvation through the cross. It's such an important lesson, my dear faithful, that the cross by which we are to be redeemed is also to be borne by us. Don't escape it. Don't run away from it. 
How then are we to save ourselves by the cross? St. Augustine gives us an excellent example. He shows that there were three men who carried the cross to Calvary. And these three men died on their crosses on that fateful day. Christ carried the cross and died upon it with perfect resignation of will to his heavenly Father. And so the cross of Christ became the redemption of the world. The second man, a thief, carried his cross and died upon it with a spirit of humility and patience. He confessed his sins. He acknowledged his crime. And this cross became for him a source of life, a tree of life. For he had the happiness of hearing Christ uh, say to him, This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Beautiful words. But for the other thief, the third man, he struggled against the cross. He did not turn to the suffering Christ. But in his own suffering, he added to the sorrows of Christ added to his own misery by blaspheming and reviling his Savior. So these three crosses represent three classes of men. Christ invites to follow him in carrying his own cross. Christ, of course, represents the innocent soul, even the innocent sufferer. The cross of the good thief represents the repentant and it shows forth the plentiful graces of Christ's redemption. And the cross of the third represents the impenitent, the unrepentant. But your faithful Christ will fall under the cross. It nearly overwhelms him and he wants to share it. He wants to share it. He will let other men suffer with him. And by touching the wood of the cross to be healed of their sins. And do any of us have crosses as heavy as he did? Do things ever look so black, so dismal as they did for Christ upon that journey? And yet he kept going forward. It's the royal road to victory, the victory over sin, the devil, and death. True Christians should patiently carry the cross with Christ and never forget that this is the path to their happiness. The cross is the path to their happiness. If any man wishes to follow me, let him pick up his cross and follow me. Let him deny himself, pick up his cross daily and follow me. Our Lord will continue along the way and there will be moments, beautiful moments, where compassion is shown to our Lord, the charity of Veronica, in such contrast to the malice of others that stand around, the tears of the holy woman, 
and of course his own mother. His mother, our mother Mary, who encounters him along the way. It's interesting to consider the presence of Mary in the Passion. This is where we first meet her in the record of the Gospels, in her association with the Passion. Her association with the Passion as co-redemptrix would certainly have started before this moment. Our Lady is Mother of Compassion. Compassion means to suffer with. She would have suffered with our Lord, suffered in the abyss of desolation that he suffered when he was arraigned before the judges. She would have felt that suffering as well. As our Lord prayed for Peter, she would have prayed for Peter's repentance as well. There is a parallel with Our Lady in the Passion to the sufferings of Christ. Again, she is the co-redemptrix, following along with him, suffering for the reasons that he suffered, suffering for us, suffering for our sins, because of our sins. This is our Blessed Mother. Let us be resolved. Let us be resolved to accept the cross coming from the hands of God, seeing the good of that cross. I will accept my cross in atonement for my sins. I will take up my cross so that I may follow Christ in his footsteps to Calvary. As he has been so willing to suffer for me, I want to be generous, do something for him, suffer something for him. I'll never forget that even my worst sufferings are nothing but splinters in comparison to the cross of Christ. And I will be resigned to the will of God to offer up all these things for my sins. O Jesus, we adore Thee. O Christ, we bless Thee, because by Thy holy cross Thou hast redeemed the world. <laughs>